Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. Well, I want to start out, this is going to be a very short series, and I want to start out, I just want you to get in your mind what it means, if you're a follower of Jesus, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Like, think about it for a minute. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? If you were to put it into components and parts, things that are really, really important, essential, what does it mean to be a disciple? You got that in your head? Shout some of those out. Sharing the gospel. Encouraging others, loving one another. Taking on the characteristics of Jesus. The question is, what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? Anyone else? You're like, you're going to tell us. Just, just stop, would you? With all the show and the pomp and circumstance here. I want to paint a picture. Now that we've got that in our mind, I want to paint a picture for you of biblically what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus. And I want to make a point. So I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures. Is it okay if I read the Bible here in in church? You guys okay with that? Anybody offended by us reading the Bible in church? Okay, great. All right. So I want to read just a bunch of scripture here, uh, one after another. Luke chapter 4, and all this is at one point. We're going to make one point, okay? Luke chapter 4, and this is Jesus showing up in the synagogue at the very beginning of his ministry. Jesus shows up at the very beginning, and he reads this passage of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah, which is in the Old Testament, and it's this prophecy that there will come a Messiah one day. And here's what he reads. So verse 18 and 19 out of chapter 4 says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners And recovery of sight for the blind to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So this is Jesus' mission statement. It's what Jesus is up to, okay? He's going to heal people. He's going to set the captives free. He's going to give sight to the blind. He's going to proclaim good news to the poor. And then right after this, look down, Luke chapter 4, a little bit further, verse 38. Here's what happens. Right after that, it says, Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Now Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever, and they asked Jesus to help her. So he bent over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her. She got up at once and began to wait on them. At sunset, the, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God, but he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. So Luke says, this is what happens. Jesus stands up into the synagogue and he says, this is what I'm doing. Healing the sick, casting out demons, proclaiming the kingdom of God. And then right after this, he says this, he does it, right? That's what we see in these few verses. We see Jesus healing the sick. Casting out demons, proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
And right in the next chapter, Luke chapter 5, he calls his disciples. He says, I want you 12 to follow me. And in, the, in Jewish culture, and in our culture, it's less understood, but in Jewish culture, to be a disciple went to be an apprentice. Maybe you know what an apprentice is. We don't do that as much anymore, but if you want to become an electrician, if you want to run the electrical wires in the back part of our building, you want to become an electrician, you have to hang out with an electrician, right, and learn how it works. You apprentice until one day you can do the job that the electrician does, right? Does that make sense? This is discipleship, discipleship and apprenticeship. It's becoming like the one that you are discipling with. So by the time we get to chapter 9, these disciples, these 12 people have spent 5, 6, 7, and 8 watching Jesus do these things that he said he was going to do. More of the same, heal the sick, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. We get to chapter 9. Here's what we read. Let me get to chapter 9. Verses 1 and 2. When Jesus called the 12 together... He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So these guys got three and a half chapters worth of on-the-job training, watching, see how this works. And then in chapter 9, he says, now, you 12, you go do it. Imagine being like, I don't think we got enough training for this. (laughs) I don't know how I feel about this, but he sends them out. And so discipleship in the way Jesus envisions it involves doing the ministry he's been doing. Do you see that? Follow with me so far. Now, some of you are going, yeah, 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 but that's the 12, right? That's the 12. They're special, right? These are the apostles. They're special, which is why I think we get chapter 10. In the book of Luke, chapter 10, beginning of verse 1, says this, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to go to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Verse 8, when you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Check this out. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. So a chapter later, 72 others who don't get names, at least in this, are sent in the same way. You've watched me now for three and a half, now four and a half chapters. You've watched these other 12. Now you go do it. There's something in the picture of what Jesus imagines discipleship to be that involves continuing the ministry that Jesus was doing. Do you see this? Heal the sick, cast out demons, proclaim the kingdom. So when Jesus gets to the end and he's about to leave, 
he has his disciples around him, and what does he say? Matthew 28, verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. When Jesus stands up in front of these guys and says, Now... I'm leaving, you go make disciples. What do you think they heard? Do you think they heard, let's go have potlucks? Do you think they heard, make sure you pass the offering basket twice because some people are reticent the first time? That's a good idea. Write that one down. What do you think they heard? They heard the same thing that Jesus had been saying. I started something, you continue it. And now you continue it by teaching others to do it. We're beginning this short series today called Can I Pray For You Right Now? I took that title uh, largely because I had a conversation with Evan, gosh, it was a year and a half ago, and he goes, when I first ran into you vineyard guys, you were the weird ones that just always said, can I pray for you right now? Everybody else says, can I pray for you? And then they go home and they forget about it, right? Like, isn't that the Christian thing to do? You say, I'll pray for you and go home and forget about it. And then later on, feel bad that you didn't do it, right? Isn't that the rhythm? That's how it's supposed to work. But Evan said, you guys are those weird people who say, can I pray for you right now? It's like you expect something to happen. And now he's one of us, so I don't know what that says about him. It's a good thing. I'm glad that he's with us. But uh, he's now one of the can I pray for you right now. And so what I'm going to do over the next couple weeks is teach you something that I think is super, super, super essential. Like I don't think there are some people in the body of Christ who pray for healing and others who do not. I don't think that there's a form of discipleship that involves praying for healing, and a form of discipleship that does not. I think when you read the Gospels, what you find over and over and over is one of the essential tools in the toolkit is being someone who can pray for healing for another person. And so today is going to feel a lot less like a sermon and a lot more like a lecture. And that's my apologies. Or maybe some of you who are college students will just get you, we'll just get you ready, right? We'll get you ready. Tomorrow they're going to lecture at you. I get the first lecture of the semester. This is amazing. Um, but what I'm going to teach you is, is a model. Some of you have heard this model before. If you've heard it before, don't tune out. There's something you can get every single time that you hear me talk about this. I'm going to teach you a model for getting started to pray for healing. Okay, so let's pray before I teach you this model so that Jesus is in charge because, you know, I could easily wrest that from him. So would you pray with me real quick? So Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. And Lord, we're so grateful the way you have shown up already. That you're meeting us where we are. And so Lord, I ask that you would continue. And Lord, as I teach this model, I pray, Lord, that you would give me the words to say that would help people begin to take steps as disciples that maybe they've never taken before. Would you come, Lord? Fill me with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pass you out a card, okay? So here's how this series is going to work. I'm going to teach you this model today. Would you help me, please, and thank you? 
Nate's going to help us too. How you doing, Nate? No answer. I don't know how you say that. How do you say that in French? How you doing? Um, this is like way off the rails. We're already way, way off the rails. I'm asking. So a couple of things I want to, to say. I'm going to teach you this model this week. It's going to feel less like a sermon, more like a, a lecture. In the coming couple of weeks, I'm going to address some of the things that you run into when you do this. When you begin to pray for people, sometimes we run into this like, why does this work? Maybe a lot of times we run into the, why doesn't this work? So I'm going to address some of those things in the coming weeks. But what I want to encourage you to do, and we're giving these to you on purpose, because I want you to, to put them in a prominent place that you can see them and be reminded of these steps. And then I want you to like pray for boldness. Just be bold and say, you know, I'm going to, when I see someone who's in need of healing, I want to just take a step and I want to pray for them. Okay? Ready for this? This is going to be super informational. It's going to be great. All right. A little caveat before I start. This is not a formula. Okay? It's not magic words that if you say the right magic words, things happen. And if you don't, they don't. I need you to understand that. This is not a formula and it's not magic. This is a way to start. If there is any formula to the thing at all, the formula is be dependent on the Holy Spirit. If there's any formula at all, it's being responsive and to the Holy Spirit. Every time. Now this will help you to pray for healing for people. It will also help you anytime you're going to engage to pray for people. Maybe you're just praying for, like we're going to pray for, you know, this person who's having a hard time at school. That's okay. You can do the same model. It will get you started. The goal here is just to get you started, okay? Good? Wonderful. I'm going to put on my best lecturer hat. Step one in this model is ask. For those of you who are familiar with the terminology that we used to teach it by, I have it up here. It's the interview. It's the basic question that we're addressing here is, where does it hurt? What am I praying about? It's helpful to understand these things, right? It's helpful to, to understand when we're going to pray for someone what exactly I'm praying for. This is not like medical level interview. You, you know, you don't need to know exactly which vertebrae that we're praying for and how, I don't know. Most of us, that wouldn't be helpful in the first place, right? Most of us, if, I, if, if somebody told you an exact medical history, you'd be like, I don't really know what to do with this. It's also not a counseling session, right? Here's what happens a lot of times. I'm going to go, well, what are we praying for? And you're going to go, oh, I'm having this horrible time at work. Well, you know what I do when I have a hard time at work is I, and it becomes counseling. Listen, I'm sure you all have great ideas. I have some decent ideas. What we really want is God's heart, right? Don't we want God to intervene? We don't need our best ideas. This is not a counseling session. We're not trying to offer our best remedies, our best ideas. What we're trying to get at is, where does it hurt? What happened? What needs to be healed? What's, 
what's not okay. When you see someone walking with crutches, the way this starts is, hey, I'm Derek, what happened? They say, oh man, I fell out of a tree. Wow. I didn't intend that one to be funny, but I'll take it. I, you know, and you, so the question that you want to get to is, did you break it? Did you sprain it? Is there a torn ligament? What's wrong with you? Why does this hurt? What's the problem? This is what we're getting at when we're asking uh, or having this interview. We're, we're asking questions. I am going to, in any one of these cases, continue asking questions until I have some decent idea about what the problem is. But this interview is conducted on two planes, right? At one level, I'm asking you, what's wrong? What hurts? What's the problem? And this is happening, you know, person to person, right? But on the other level, I'm going, God, what is, what is happening here? What's, what's the process that's going on? What, what is the underlying cause here? Because what will happen as I'm tuned into what God is saying is often someone will say, I need you to pray for me for this, 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 and this. And in the meantime, I hear something from the Lord that's not this, 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 or this. It might be related to this, 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 or this. But it might be something else. Now, we don't just decide that anything we think we hear from God must absolutely be God, and so I don't care what you have to say. This interview, this asking is a dialogue. So somebody says, oh man, I have chronic migraines. It's just, they take out whole days for me. We, we probably think that, okay, we need to pray for migraines. But if at the same time, I hear the Lord say, there's something going on with them at work. I might say, hey, I just have, like, sense the Lord's just saying that, that you have something going on at work. Is, is everything okay at work? Oh, man, I have this unresolved thing with my boss. He really hurt my feelings. And I don't really know. It's, it makes work really miserable every single day. I hate going there. Wait a minute. We may have found something deeper, right? So I might ask the question, well, how long ago did that happen? Man, it was six months ago. It still bothers me. We haven't even talked about it. I'm afraid to bring it up. Wow, when did your headaches start? About six months ago. If I'm praying for the headaches, I'm missing the point. Do you see this? So we're conducting this interview on two planes. I'm asking them, what is wrong? What's hurting you? What's the problem? And at the same time, I'm asking the Lord, what's going on here? The interview is over when I have some decent idea of what the problem is. And this is something that we get as we have this dialogue. So step two. Step two. We've given you this word, decide. What we used to call the diagnostic decision. This step is deciding what the root cause is. As so we've had this interview, we've had this conversation... And what we've discovered is, wow, you have these, these chronic migraines, and in our conversation, what we discovered is that you have this unresolved thing with your boss, and as we've talked about it, it seems like the two things are, might be connected. We're making a decision about what the root cause is. If we just pray generally, we'll get very general results. 
But if we pray really specifically, we get specific results. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, well, the diagnosis, the, the decision I'm making about what the root cause is, is I believe that the root cause is this unresolved trauma. If you just pray for the headache, it might go away today. But if you don't pray for the unresolved issue at work, the headache will come back tomorrow. Do you see this? Does this make sense? You tracking with me? So the, the second step here is decide. What is the diagnosis? What's the root cause of the problem? Now, you're just making your best guess based on the information presented. You may not know all the way, and that's okay. But if we pray for the unresolved problem at work, we will also then pray for the headache. We get closer. So in our best, we're making our best assessment of what the root cause is that we understood from step one. So as we proceed to step three, we take this diagnosis. We believe that the root cause in this example, the root cause issue that we have, is that this person has this unresolved thing with their boss. This informs how we're going to do step three. Step three is choose. Choose how you're going to pray. It's the prayer selection. The question that you're asking is, what kind of prayer do I need to pray to help this person? And there's all kinds of options Based on the, what you decide the root cause of the problem is, if we continue with this chronic migraines issue, and we discovered, right, that it's the boss and this unresolved thing, the prayer selection, I'm not going to pray right away for the, the headache. What I'm going to pray is probably walk this person through some sort of like, could you offer this person to God? Could you offer this unresolved thing? Could you move toward forgiveness first? Because if we can move toward forgiveness when we pray for the healing of, of the head, it will, it will move much quicker. There's all kinds of possibilities when it comes to choosing a prayer. It's not super important that you remember the categories. What's really, really, really important is that you're dependent on the Lord. Like I said, there's no formula except that we depend on God. We're trying to listen to what God is saying. Let me give you a few options. One may be a prayer of intercession. And what a prayer of intercession is, is you stand alongside this person and the two of you together are going to ask God to intervene in the situation, right? This is what a lot of us are familiar with. It's like, well, let me pray with you. God, would you come? Would you help this person? Would you do this thing? By the way, if you are someone who wants to grow in your ability to pray by way of intercession, there's a group that prays here every Wednesday at four o'clock. Every Wednesday at four o'clock in the hallway, not in the hallway, they actually go into one of the rooms, but... Four o'clock on Wednesday, put it on your calendar. This is a great place to begin to take steps to pray, to getting better in, in praying and intercession. So intercession is one. One might be command. If you're, if you're, you know, you're praying for a, a broken leg and, and the Lord just says, you know, you just command it to be made whole. You say, in the name of Jesus, leg, I command you to be whole. That's not something you can just do, Right? You can't just make the command unless the Lord has given it to you. But it's an option, right? Sickness be gone in Jesus' name. That's a command. Pronouncement. You can pronounce what God has said. You can, as you have a sense of what the Lord has said, you can say that. Or a, a rebuke. If you, run into thing, if you run into demonic things, 
A prayer of rebuke is really important, right? If we discover that the issue has actually become a demonic issue, well, then it becomes a prayer of rebuke. You break demonic strongholds. Sometimes you're just stuck, and you're not really sure how to pray. And can I just offer you a possible option? In that moment, you may just say, I'm not really sure what we do. I'm not really sure how we start. And one of the best ways that I have discovered to start when you're not sure is to just pray quietly in tongues. For those of you who have a, a prayer language, a, a, the gift of tongues, to pray in tongues is a great way to get started. And here's why I have discovered that to be really, really helpful. Often if I'm not sure where I start and I begin to pray, with, pray in my spirit, God will give me something by way of a next step. Just offering that as a possibility. So we've got three steps, right? Ask, decide, choose. All of these happen kind of simultaneously. Can you see this? Like, we're going to demonstrate this here in a minute, and you'll see it a little bit. These things happen simultaneously. When we get to the end of, of choose, now we're, we've, we have a step forward of how we're going to pray, right? We've chosen, we, we've determined what the, the problem is, what the root cause is. We've decided how we're going to pray. Now we begin to pray. Step four is pray, prayer engagement. Now, if you have not been around this stuff, when we say laying hands on people, we mean that as a nice thing. We're not like hurting people. But we also, before we put hands on anyone, you need to ask them. <laughs> it's really, really important that you... Have you ever had somebody come up to you and lay their hands on you to pray for you and they didn't ask you? Make you feel really, really uncomfortable? Like, you got in my personal space, yo. It's a little bit close. I, I don't like to be touched. You don't just put hands on people. You ask them. But where appropriate, lay hands on it. If you're like, if you have like, a, hey, we're dealing with a headache. And we're going to pray for this headache. Hey, can I put my hand on the top of your head? I'm just going to pray. If they say no, that's okay. You can pray without putting your hands on them. Another piece of advice, women pray with women. Men pray with men. And those men don't put your hands on women. It's just it's bad form. If, if I'm going to pray for a woman, I'll often ask, can I put my hand on your shoulder? That's, just, that's the end of it that, right there. Just keep yourself out of trouble. Cool? Now, here's the thing that is, uh, I find hard for people. We only pray what God gives us to pray. This takes some discipline. Because here's what happens. You guys have been in this moment. If you've ever prayed for somebody, everything in you wants something to happen. Everything in you feels uncomfortable by the fact that there's nothing being said. And so we just fill the space, don't we? And our prayers end up sounding something like this. Oh God, if anyone deserves it, it's this guy. You know how much he works, Lord, for you, and he's so faithful, and he, he gives regularly. He's a part of all the teams. He's in every life group. He loves you so much. He does everything Derek says. He's a little bit stupid, but he still loves you so much. Isn't that what our prayer ended up sounding like? Not, 
Thanks. <laughs> but we're nervous, right? We're going to pray for this person and we're not really sure what to say. Don't say things God hasn't given you to say. Space is okay. Because the goal here is not your words. The goal here is connection with God. That's the goal. All you're trying to do is facilitate a connection between God and this person. And so all you're trying to do, you're like, you're like a go-between, a midwife, right? There you go, there you go. You're helping someone. You're helping someone connect with God. It's, that's, that's the essence of it. We want to be naturally supernatural. Don't get weirder than you have to be, okay? We don't have to be super weird. Don't change your voice, <clears throat> the Lord says. Don't do that. Don't do that. Just be you, right? You have a connection to the Lord, and all you're trying to do is help this person have a connection. Don't get weird. One of the other things that we like to do, or I think is pretty important, is where you're able to, is to pray with your eyes open. Because what's our default when we get ready to pray? What does everybody do? If you're trained well in like mainline church, what do you do? You go, right? Don't you do that? As soon as we pray, like I think it's funny. You guys are going to pay attention to it now. Every time I'm like, all right, let's pray. And what happens? Everybody closes their eyes and puts their head down. Don't do that. And let me tell you why we're not doing that. There's two reasons, at least. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but it could be for your safety. <laughs> if you are praying for people in, the, in, in spaces where you may run into people who are demonized, it's helpful to have your eyes open to have a warning if something's about to happen, right? If you pray for some people who uh, tend toward violence, you just never know. It's helpful to have your eyes open, right? I'll, I'll just leave it there. Come find me afterwards. I'll tell you a story that's not really mine to tell, but I've told it a lot of times. Um, <laughs> some of the people in this room already know the story. Um, I guess I have to tell it. All right, here we go. <laughs> a few weeks ago, you guys saw there was a, a video of Jay Pathak, national director here in the vineyard, okay? Uh, and when he first moved to Denver to plant their church, he and his friend, they went to this restaurant, and they're getting ready to like, you know, go into the restaurant, and there's a guy standing outside the restaurant with a box of AOL CDs. You remember those? You can try AOL for free, right? And CDs are round. They, we used to have them. Um, you probably have a, you know, if you're older, you have a rack of them. If you're really older, you have records. Um, but... They, they had these CDs, this rack of CDs, and you could try AOL for free. And this guy was standing out in front of the restaurant, and he's selling the CDs. He's selling free CDs. <laughs> so Jay and his friend stop, and they're just like, hey, man, what's going on? You know you can do this for free. What are you selling these for? And the guy said, listen, I'm homeless, and I don't have any money, but they won't let me beg. But they'll let me sell stuff. So I'm selling these CDs. It's really just a way that I'm trying to earn money to live. And so Jay and his friend, they get all like, we're planting a church. We're going to gold or silver. I do not have, you know, we're going to pray for this guy, right? So they go to pray for this guy. And they ask, and they put their hand on him, two guys on either side. You can imagine this guy standing in the middle with his tray of CDs. Um, and Jay's friend closes his eyes. So they're praying and they're praying. And all of a sudden this guy starts to growl. 
And Jay like looks at him. He sees this guy growling just, and his friend opens his eyes just in time to see him headbutt the guy and take off running. Keep your eyes open when you pray. (laughs) That's the moral of the story. The moral of the story is you just never know what's about to happen, right? It's helpful to keep your eyes open when you pray. The second reason I think it's really important for you to keep your eyes open when you pray is because you can see when you're praying for people, when God is doing something, often you can see it. If you know what to look for, you can see it. When you begin to pray for people, sometimes their eyelids just flutter like crazy. And some of you have seen that. When I'm able, I try to help people see that. Sometimes you see that. say, okay. We don't know what the Lord is doing, but something is happening. Sometimes people begin to cry. Sometimes people begin to shake. We don't know what the Lord is doing, but we can see something is happening. Sometimes people, like, when you're praying for them, they start to get really hot. They start to sweat. You're like, hmm, wonder what God is up to. You can see God moving on people. Sometimes, no joke, you see these people just start to involuntarily sway while you're praying for them. You're like, huh, wonder what that is. And you can tell they're not, like, pushing off on either leg. They just, just sway. You can see that stuff. It may give you insight into what God is doing. It's okay when you're praying for somebody to say, what do you sense God doing right now? It's okay. It's okay to have space and say, do you sense the Lord? What, what do you sense the Lord doing? Oh, I really, this thing came to mind. Oh, okay. And we can redirect how we pray. It's okay to go back to those steps. What's happening now? When is the prayer over? When is the prayer over? The prayer is over when the person you're praying for says, I'm done, right? Like, maybe they fall on the floor. It's like, okay, let's we're done, I guess. It's a different situation now. This has changed. Or, you know, sometimes when you're praying for people, you can just tell. They're like looking at you like, are you done with this? The prayer is over whenever the Spirit says the prayer is over. We've prayed enough. They're done. Or the prayer is over, you know, when you run out of things to say. You don't have anything else to offer. There's nothing else coming. The prayer is over. That's step four. Pray. Step five, last step, is to direct. We want to offer people some sort of next step. This answers the question, what do I do if I didn't get healed? Or what do I do if I did get healed? What now? If somebody doesn't get healed, it's often helpful to say, hey, maybe we should pray again. Maybe we can pray again. You can pray for people for years, right? You know this? Some people you have prayed for for years, and you haven't seen the healing come, or you haven't seen anything change, and it's okay to pray again. So sometimes that's the next step. Can we just pray again? Or maybe we should, maybe we should get together with another person and pray. If someone did get healed, if, say someone is, that you prayed for is not a follower of Jesus, you might want to say something like, hey, what Jesus just did for your leg or your head or your situation, he wants to do for your whole life. Would you like to begin a relationship with Jesus that will change your life? Or maybe it's someone gets healed and you say, the way that this works, the reason that you were not well is because you were living in this constant sin pattern. If you don't leave that and find a new way, you're going to end up having the same thing happen. 
in our prayer of the con- or our, our example of the, con- uh, the constant migraines. If this person doesn't eventually forgive their boss and have some conversation, the migraines are just going to keep coming back. So if we pray and the migraines go away, but you don't want to resolve the issue that causes the migraines, they're just going to come back. So it's offering someone some sort of post-prayer direction. Let me just give you this one really, 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 really important piece of advice. This is not name it and claim it. We don't just say, man, I know I'm healed. I'm going to stop taking my medicine. Don't do that. If people are healed, it's really important that they get that verified. Before we tell people, you don't tell people to stop taking their medicine on faith. You don't tell people to like, right? You want to have them go get it checked out. It's really, really important. These are the five steps. Can you say them with me? Step one, ask. Decide, choose, pray, direct. I bet you can do it all by yourself. Perfect. Here's what I want to do. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.